The next two weeks, I feel like God really put on my heart to talk about legacy, legacy. And a lot of times we don't talk about legacy until we're kind of towards the end of something. You know, toward the end of our life, we start thinking about those things and looking back and reflecting on, you know, where did I spend my time on? What did I spend my energy on? Where, where did it go? And, and I think one of the wisest things that we can do as, as a person, but as a Christian, is, is to think about legacy as soon as possible. To, to start with the end in mind. In Ephesians 5, if you want to turn there, um, just a few verses I'm going to read this morning. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. And I, I, I believe that these verses are, are rooted in legacy, rooted in legacy. And the writer tells us to be very careful how we live, not as unwise people, but as wise people. How do wise people live? They make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, that doesn't mean like there's like evil pitchfork devil coming at you. That word means full of labor annoyances and hardships. Can I get an amen? All right, everybody's got that in common this morning. You've had some days like that. He says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So, the, so, so in those few verses, there's a lot there. And I was fishing this week and I had a, a guy, a friend of mine, and he, he asked me, um, I get asked a lot of good questions, and one of, the, one of the questions he asked me while we were out snapper fishing was, how many funerals do you go to? Like as a pastor, do you go to a lot of funerals? And, and I haven't thought about that in a few years. And, and so like here I am, I'm, I start thinking about funerals. I'm out here fishing, and I start looking back over the last couple of years, and I feel like my, my funeral numbers are up. Okay, like uh, from about, uh, you know, from about 2020 on, year over year, I don't have the exact numbers, but I just started thinking about, you know, attending funerals and, 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 and being a part of funerals. And it could be, I don't know, one of two things. I'm getting older. I don't know if it's that, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting close to, to, to 40, but, but I, I don't know. I think the, the other thing is, I'm, you know, I'm pastoring. And so being a part of a church, you know, there's a lot of, I get to be a part of, of people's, uh, their, um, I call them rites of passage. Like when you, when you have a, a child, that's a rite of passage. That's an incredible moment. When you get married, beautiful, beautiful day. It's a rite of passage. And then there's the, the last rite of passage. When we pass from this life to the, to the next. I came across this study and they interviewed 50 people over 90. So they're at the, they are at the end of their, of their life here. And they ask them things, you know, different questions on what they would do differently with their life if they could do it over again. Now, you can learn a lot from somebody in their 90s, right? I've heard an old Chinese proverb that when an when a, when a, when a established person, when, a, when an elder dies, a library burns to the ground, and so three things rose to the top. 50 people over 90, they asked them these questions. Three things that they just about all agreed on, if they could do their life differently, they would do these things. And I thought, I'm gonna put these in the handout because I would want these. Number one, they would risk more. I've never sat down with a person who's at the end of their life and they bragged about going the speed limits. 
are stopping at every stop sign. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the point of life is to not arrive safely. And we talk a lot about sins of commission in the church, things that we do, commit. But just as important, and the ones that we're going to regret the most at the age of 90 are what I would call sins of omission. That's the things that we did not do. That's the risk that you didn't take. That's the business that you probably should have invested in in college with your friend. Now it's called Facebook. You know, whatever. You know, like, like it's, it's the risks that we didn't take when we get to that point that we're going to remember. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody commit, does things. You know, we've all fallen short of the grace and glory of God. But when it comes to the end of our life, which it's really good to think about those things early, it's the risk that we didn't take. The second thing that they all agreed on that they would do more of or they would do differently is they would reflect more. You know, and I feel like that's the pauses in life. You know, the the pace of the world, the writer of Ephesians says the days are evil. It means they're just full of stuff to do. Everybody in here, you've got something that you could probably be doing right now. And you're, you're, like, you got somewhere to be. I mean, I'm thankful for schedules. I'm, I'm thankful for, you know, we live in a pretty fast-paced society. But a person that's in, at the end of their life, actually 50 of them all agree that they wish they would have stopped a little more and looked back over their life and reflected. Some of the biggest mistakes that I've ever made have been because I was in a hurry, <laughs> And life's not just about living, but sometimes we have to pause and, and, and we look back at our life, we reflect, we, we do an inventory, it's, it's, the, you know, it's important. And then the third thing, which is what I want to talk about this morning, that, that was at the very top of the list of these, these 90-year-old folks, what they would do differently, is they said they would have done, they would have invested more in things that lived on after they were gone, I would do more things that live on after I am gone. To me, that's the definition of legacy. If I want to live a life of legacy, right, and everybody does, there's not a person on this planet that doesn't want their life to count for something. I mean, like, we all want to do something with our lives that, that has meaning, that has value. We want to contribute to the world. We want to leave it a better place. Well, I think we do that when we do things and we invest in things that outlives our life. It's, it's legacy. It's living a life that outlives me. It's living a life that outlives me. And so here I am fishing on this boat with my friend, and I start thinking about funerals. And I've, of all the ones I, w- I was a part of, probably the most powerful one was this 17-year-old girl. She was here as a, a, a she, her name was Hannah, and she came here to go to school. She was in the IB program in, in Pensacola. Her dad was a pilot being trained by our pilots. He was a German pilot. And, and so she, um, she had a, a very bad disease that, that came on quick and rapidly, and she knew that she only had about 12 to 15 months to live. And the way that I got introduced to Hannah, I was doing a a wedding on the beach for some other friends of mine, and her mom, and they were there at the wedding. And and she knew that she was dying, and so she she somehow found me and said, hey, I want you to do my funeral. How do you say no to that, right? You don't. You do not say no. Whatever I had going on, 
I was going to, astounding, yes. I got to have dinner with her and her family. It was, a, it was awesome. And, but Hannah, Hannah was very intentional about her life. You know, not everybody lives with that urgency that they're going to die. <laughs> we just like forget about that. But the last time I checked, that's the only way out of here. <laughs> Uh, you know, Jesus is coming back, and I believe that could be any time now, but, uh, you know, most likely we're all going to be faced with this at some point in our life, and Hannah had it very early, sophomore year of high school, and I want to just share some of the things I learned from Hannah. Hannah knew she was dying, and, you know, I don't know what I would do if a doctor told me I had a year left. I, I would get a second opinion, number one. <laughs> Okay, so I would go, I would figure out somewhere else to go and talk to another doctor and say, hey, you know, help me with this. But, but the second thing is I would probably get this bucket list mentality, you know, like I, I've all, there's like all these travel goals and I, I don't know if I would do what Hannah done. Hannah wrote a letter to all the, the students in her class about what she loved about them. Hannah blogged about her disease and the struggle that she had with this terminal illness every day. Thousands of other kids that had that same disease were, was able to, to draw strength from that. Hannah wrote a book in the last year of her life. And when I was, when I was doing her funeral, I remember her mom told me that to that point, a half a million people had read her book. This is seven, eight years ago. But I, I learned something from Hannah I learned something from Hannah in, in every funeral that I've been a part of, that most funerals at the end of the day, people are going to define your life with one sentence. One sentence. What is legacy? Legacy is deciding what that sentence is going to be now and making that your target. Hannah knew what her sentence was. She lived with a sense of urgency every day. She knew every day was a gift. She had to make every day count. And I've noticed I've done funerals for, for young people. I've done funerals for people that are older. And cousins, uncles, fathers, family members speak. And it really is, you could boil that person's life down into one sentence. And legacy is, is choosing that sentence now. I know this is real happy talk right now. I know, yeah, just, I mean, it's just, but what would your life sentence be? What do you want your life sentence to be, to be? Like, make it easy for people to celebrate your life when it comes that time. Pick that sentence now. And I think that's what the writer is saying, making the most of every opportunity. Some translation says redeeming the time. It's making the most of every single day that we have every single day. And the way I think that we do that is there's three things that we all have in this room. Three things. The way that we make our life count and we live a legacy is we steward these three things well. And you can write these down. They're in your notes. The first and most important thing is time. 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 Every day's a gift. Every moment's right, it's, they call it the present. And we don't know how much of it we have. We don't know how much of it we have left. But in my opinion, it's the most valuable non-renewable resource that you have. Because the second one, talent, 
giftings and whatever it is that you're good at, your purpose, your calling, we can wrap all that up in talent. The second thing we know is every person has some gift. God's created you uniquely and you have something to contribute to this world before you go. And, and, and Timothy told us that the, the calling of God is without repentance. So God's not an Indian giver. So you can have a beautiful gift to sing and you can do whatever you want with it. You can have a beautiful gift to, to paint. You can have a beautiful gift to write poetry. You can have a beautiful gift to do all kinds of things, start businesses, entrepreneur, all this great stuff. And, and, and God's not going to take that from you. You can do whatever you want with that talent. And I hope you know what yours is. And the last thing, the third thing is treasure. That's resources, time, talent, and treasure. I would say the most important is your time. The second most important, how do I make my life count? Well, what am I doing with what God has gifted me with? And then the least important that we all have some of is money, resources. And the Bible talks a lot about those three things, how to steward them, how to handle them. And, and, and so this morning, I just want to give us, I think, three things that will help us steward our time, talent, and treasure well, because we want our lives to count. We want, we want at the end of our life, we want to, we want to at least know that that, our, that life sentence that we picked, that we aimed our life towards that. It's how we used our time. It's how we used our talent, and it's how we used the resources that God gave us. And I found the people that do that really well, there's, there's three things that they do. The first thing that I think our mindset has to be to live a life of legacy is I recognize that everything I have is from God. Everything. Everything. That when I was born from day one, when I opened my eyes and sucked my first draw of oxygen, that was a net positive. <laughs> and then day two was another net positive. And then day three, what happens is we start taking everything for granted. Life and people and sunsets and sunrises and coffee and chocolate and turkey and family and church and work. Work's a gift. There's a lot of people who would love to work right now and they can't, you know, like, like we just start taking things for granted and we forget that everything that we have is a gift. Because of all the funerals I've done, not one did the hearse pull a U-Haul behind it. You can't take any of it with you. And we build and we build and we build and we build and we build. And, we, and I think it's good to do that. It's good to save. It's good to have goals. It's good to be, like everybody wants success. But the, the, the other side of success is not having anything left over when it comes to the end of your life. That you've invested in others. That you've invested in family. That, you've, that, you've, that, that will outlive you that will outlive you. The psalmist says this, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein. First Timothy chapter six, verse seven, not in your notes. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Man, I, I think I, I will, I start living differently when my mindset is every morning and I do my best to do this, and I don't do it every morning because sometimes a 70-pound dog wakes me up, okay, or, or a seven-year-old with, a, with a, like a fake axe 
Uh, so, 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 so I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm thankful every morning when I wake up. But what I try to do every day, because um, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> some mornings I don't just wake up and start thanking God for, you know, everything. Sometimes I'm trying to just survive and not get, you know, um, just start thanking God for, like, everything you see. It's raining today. I've got a roof over my head. I'm laying in a, I'm in a house with people that I love. Like the air conditioning's working. Come on, somebody, right? The, the, the heaters were like, just, just, just trying to start every day with gratitude. And it, and it helps you not take what you have for granted. It, help, it, it, it almost puts this sense of, of just, just blessing in your life to where you know, okay, I don't, I don't want to waste this day. I don't want to waste this time. I don't want to waste what God has put in my life. That, that, you know, I'm, I'm blessed with everything. I'm entitled to nothing. Entitlement will rob you of joy so fast. Entitlement will rob you of God's blessing so fast. Entitlement will make somebody who's so blessed walk around like they're broke with a, with a mentality of entitlement, thinking that somebody owes us something or somebody owes me something or the government owes me this or they owe me that. Like, no, let's rewind it. We came into the world with nothing. We can take nothing out of it. Everything I have puts me in a net positive in this life, even the bad stuff, right? Even the, even the pain, even the suffering, even the stuff I didn't want to go through, somehow, some way, God turns all things, works it together for our good, his glory. I don't know how he does it, but even in the pain, there's some good. So I... I realize, I realize everything is a blessing. And when I do that, I, the way that I live changes. The way that I live changes. A couple years ago, we bought a house, and it was a fixer-upper house. It was a distress sale, and we had to do a lot of work to it. And I'm, I wasn't super handy at the time. I feel like I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> Like, you know, just working on the house, getting it, you know, getting things fixed up. I had a, you know, at the time of, I think it was four, Asa was four. And so like the porch railings were falling off. So that was kind of a dangerous thing. Uh, and, and so like, you know, we had to do some stuff. And, and, and so I had to borrow some tools from people. And, and I don't know if you do this, but I, I tend to do this. When I borrow something from someone, I treat it way better than if it was my own. Does anybody else do that? Like, like to the point where like, even if somebody, I like to surf, if somebody says, hey, you can ride my board, I'm like, no. No, as soon as I get on it, like 15 people are gonna just attack me with their board. And they're like, I don't, I don't wanna mess it up, it's not mine. And, and, and so I borrowed these tools. So I had a pressure washer and I had these, all these tools that weren't mine. And, and I literally had a separate section for them in, in the shop to, to keep them safe because I have tools that walk off you know, I have stuff, but, but anyways, it, it helps me. I learned something from that lesson that if I look at my life that way, that, that I'm, an, I'm an owner of nothing, I'm a steward of everything, that the time that I have and the resources that I have and even the gifts that I have, like you're gifted this morning. What you, what you do and, and how you do it, I mean, did did. Did you work for those gifts? Did you earn, did you earn that IQ? 
Did you, did you earn that? that edu- I mean, you may have paid for the education. Maybe you got a scholarship. But the ability to learn and to sit and understand and do what you do, where does that come from? And so I think one of the greatest ways that we can live a life of legacy is, is to steward well what God has placed in my hands. And the way that I, I do that is to try to remind myself that nothing belongs to me. That even the stuff that has my name on it right now eventually will not. Even the money that I log into my bank account and I look at it and it says my name and my wife's. Come on, somebody. Hey, I'm all ahead. Don't you have no separate accounts now if you're, if you're married, right? Right. At the end of it, and all the money I have hid in my house and in the yard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, told, I told Caleb, like, when I die, don't give away my books because there is some money in those books. I just hide money. I don't know why I do it. Under mattresses and stuff. Does anybody else do that? If I, I just hide it everywhere. I found, my son found a sock full of money a couple years ago. I walked in his room. There was money all over his bed. I'm like, where did you get that? He's like, I, it dropped out of one of those books up on the bookshelf. I said, okay. I gave him 10%. Took it back. <laughs> Finder's fee. I've forgotten where I've hid. I don't know. I don't know why I do that, but... Um, anyways, because the key to more in our life is, is, is not God blessing us with more. It's stewarding well what we already have. Luke 12, to whom much is given, much is required. And that means that there's responsibility to blessings. Like there's responsibility when God places things in your life. It's crazy to me how many people win the lottery or, and then they're in debt in like three years because it's not about God just giving us more. It's a mindset. It's can I handle what I have? Because if I can't handle what I have, why would God give me more? Money magnifies habits that are already there. And if I'm not stewarding well what I have right now, why in the world would God bless me with more? Because a blessing too soon is a curse. It's a curse. It's the prodigal son. We talk, we, we talk about the prodigal son all the time, but he asked his dad for what was supposed to be his, but not yet. He wasn't ready for it. And a, and a blessing became a curse because he didn't know how to handle the father's blessing. He, did, he took all that money, ran off to Vegas, and came back with nothing. A hangover and a headache. Come on, like, like he because he wasn't ready to handle it. And so the, the key here is not that we pray for more, but what God's saying, how about you're more responsible with what I've already given you? Don't take it for granted. Manage it, steward it well. I know not everybody, like not, I mean, each, you know, different people are gifted on different levels. People, different people have more of certain things than others. Some people have more time, some people have more talent. The parable of the talents, not everybody's gifted on the same level. One guy, he gave five. One guy, he gave two. One guy, he gave one. But the common thing is that every one of them had an opportunity. Every one of us, whatever it is that God's placed in our life, in our time, talent, and and treasure category, we have an opportunity every day. And I want to do well with what God has given me. I want to steward it. I want to steward it well. And here's the, the, the last thing. I, I, I want to go back to 
to Hannah, you know, and I remember, so this, this funeral, she wrote down everything she wanted done in the funeral. The songs, down to the, every, the, whole, the whole class, the IB program came for her funeral. And this is the coolest, this is why I loved her funeral. So she picked every song and she picked the last song. Does anybody want to guess what the last song was? Amazing Grace. Yeah, that's close. It was the Macarena. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so when I, I seen that, I, I called her mom. I said, like, like the, the Macarena's Macarena? And, and she's like, yeah, she wants to do the Macarena. She wants the whole class to get up and do the Macarena. And then yeah, <laughs> I said, well, I could probably maybe lose my job over this, but we're going to do the Macarena. And at the end of her service, it, it, not only that, she was specific about she had cake. She had pizza and chocolate cake for everybody. It was so cool. I mean, everybody was, I mean, but so we did the Macarena, you know, and then we, we went out, we had pizza, we had cake. And there was this big chalk chalkboard in the uh, lobby, and we, we put her name on it, and all her classmates wrote something about her. And I, I took a picture of it, and I was looking through it this morning. And I, it was incredible to me, like towards the end of her life, how everybody, what they wrote on there was, was she turned every conversation into something meaningful with her, with her classmates. Like the, everything, like what was written was, you, you know, you... T- you told me about God. You told me that there's life after this life. You got me thinking about, you know, what happens beyond this. And, and I want to thank you. I want to thank you for showing up and smiling. And I want to think, like, it was the most beautiful thing that I'd ever seen. And, and what, I, what I think Hannah did with her life there at the end was she, she leveraged what she had towards eternity. She was talking about heaven. She was thinking about heaven. She, she, you know, there's this life, and I'm thankful for this life, but I feel like what my job is, is to help us remember every now and then that there's a life after this life. And what we want to do with our time and our talent and treasure while we're here is leverage that for the next life. Because we can't take it with us, but we can pay it forward. Jesus said it like this in Matthew. Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy it. Thieves break in, they get it, they they steal it. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. But look at this, verse 21. For where your treasure is, your heart will be. And this is what I'm learning in life, and we're going we're gonna to pray. Where I'm interested, where I'm spending my time, talent, and treasure, where I'm investing that is where my heart is. And there's a way to connect our heart to eternity. It's by sowing our time and sowing our gifts and sowing what God has put in our hands into eternity. Jesus connected our heart and our treasure. Now, he doesn't mean money here, treasure. It's, what, it's what's the most valuable thing that you have. And again, it's not money. Money is the cheapest part of a person. It is you. It is your time. It is your attention. It is the gifts that God has put inside of you. 
And the more that you can leverage those things, and I don't mean you gotta go out and hold a sign on the side of the road. What I mean is when you show up at school tomorrow or work, when you're having conversations and you're talking with people and, 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 you're, and you're doing what you do, just think about that. Remember that. Leverage that conversation. Leverage that relationship. Leverage what you have towards eternity. And as we invest our hearts in eternity, eternity invests in us. It's how we get connected. It's how we get connected. I want you to do this. Just bow your head and close your eyes. Father, we just thank you so much. God, we thank you that you woke us up this morning. You put breath in our lungs. You got us here to church. We walked in here. We thank you that, God, we get to see, we know the sun shining, even if it's cloudy today. God, we just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And right now, Lord, I just, I just, God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would, would speak to us. We want our lives to count. We want to leave a legacy. We, we want to do things with our time and our resources that outlive us. And so, Holy Spirit, speak to every single person individually. What does that look like for them? What does that look like for me? Lord, help us to define our life sentence early and direct our time and our resources and the talents that you've given us towards that. God, help us to be people who are grateful. Lord, help us to be people who serve and give. Lord, don't, don't let us be people that are just, just shut off, that don't give, that don't. Lord, help us to be people who are sensitive to you, sensitive to your spirit. And God, just give us your wisdom, Lord, and help us to steward what you've given us on this side well. And we just thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.